Chapter 53 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. Victory. The Waleels rested and slept outstretched upon the air close to the scene of battle. Not having any weight as regarded external objects, they mutually attracted each other, and to obtain freedom and rest without being crushed together into suffocating masses of men, they were formed into companies of one hundred each, with their feet pressing against solid cylinders of spears. Mutual gravity was sufficient to hold them together, and each wayleel spread himself upon the air as upon a bed of down, enjoying luxurious repose. I had slept, I know not how long, in company with the leaders of our army, when I was awakened by Flat Hootley, who informed me that a trusty messenger from Grasnagillapas, Lord of Invention and General of the King's Bokokids, desired to see me as a bearer of an important dispatch from his master. The messenger, saluting, handed me the following document. To His Excellency Lexington White, Commander-in-Chief of the Army of Queen Leone, from Grasnagillapas, General of the Royal Bokokids, greeting. General Grasnagillapas begs to report that he and his Bokakids have ever been in sympathy with the late goddess, but were prevented from espousing her cause by the overwhelming presence of the royal army in Kalnagur. To show his detestation of the horrible act of criminal cowardice on the part of his majesty, he offers his sword and command of his Bokakids to the cause of the late adorable goddess and queen of Atvatabar, and, on the acceptance of such assistance by your excellency, will at once leave the ranks of the royal army and enter that of her late majesty to fight for the sacred cause and assist in punishing a perfidious king, Grasnagillapas. The loss attending the withdrawal of the priests and priestesses to form a guard of honour to the illustrious dead was more than compensated for by the reinforcements under Grasnagillapas, to whom I sent a message of gracious acceptance of his services. The army being fully aroused for conflict had the satisfaction of welcoming reinforcements from two opposing directions, viz. the 50,000 Bokakids under Grasnagillapas and the Terrorite battery under the command of General Rakhine. As was expected, the departure of the bravest general in the royal army was the signal for a renewal of hostilities, and Coltonbury, mad at the serious defection of his troops, at once assumed the offensive. He had received a large recruitment of Waleels and felt as formidable as ever. His army swept down upon us with warlike music rolling like thunder, and cries of Bull Makar, the king himself having dealt us his most terrible blow, was a witness to the onset of his hosts. He sat aloft in a golden palanquin, borne on the shoulders of his followers, with a bodyguard on either side. The advance guard of the enemy consisted of several regiments, armed with our own hand mitrailleuses taken from prisoners. These did a terrible execution among our wayleels. Grasnagillapas, anxious to undo the injury he inflicted on us during the first battle, and emulous of the prowess of our own 40,000 Bokakids, plunged headlong amid the foe, creating a panic wherever his gigantic birds descended. He fought like a demon, neither asking nor giving quarter. General Rakhine, having got his terrorite battery into position, was eager to check the advance of the enemy by saluting him with a few aerial torpedoes. There was some delay incidental to the first actual operations of a hastily constructed battery, but the daring ingenuity of the professor overcame every obstacle. Each gun, supported by fifty men, possessed a solid foundation from which to direct its operations. The enemy, though harassed by our Bokakids, had worked into the centre of our army by sheer weight of numbers. Our Waleels, having exhausted their ammunition, had to fall back on their electric spears, and at times were obliged to retire in confusion. At this juncture, 
a shell of terrorite exploded among the foe with thrilling effect, destroying at least 200 Bokakids. Coltonbury, who evidently attributed the disaster to an explosion of gunpowder in his own ranks, closed up the broken columns and renewed the attack. Three explosions in rapid succession, right in the centre of the enemy, caused the greatest consternation and produced a frightful gap, where but a moment before the air was thick with an armed host. Generals Yermul, Garolio, Laldemir and Grasnagilipas plunged with their Bokakids into the living cavern produced by the torpedoes, and with their spears mowed down thousands of the panic-stricken Waleels. Another terrorite shell, thrown in the direction of the king, destroyed a few hundred of his protectors and induced his majesty to seek safety in immediate flight. Not wishing to lose so important an enemy, I ordered General Flathootley and the Second Legion of Fletchermings to start in hot pursuit of the royal party and bring me back the king, dead or alive. Flathootley, delighted with the mission, started off at once in pursuit of Bulmakar. The terrorite battery proved our most effective weapon in castigating the enemy. I could not thank Professor Rakhine sufficiently for his great genius and mechanical skill in so rapidly perfecting his weapons, which were modelled on the plan of the guns belonging to the Polar King. Every discharge proved a blast of destruction to the foe. The deadly missiles wrought a fearful slaughter, steadily decimating the ranks of the royal army, which had no similar weapons with which to retaliate upon us. The frightened hosts, constantly changing their focus, left behind them vast heaps of the dead and wounded and globes of floating blood. On one occasion, the 1st Brigade of Fletchermings, led by General Starbottle, in eagerly pursuing the enemy, dashed through a pool of blood three feet in thickness, and every whaleal emerged dripping with gore. Coltonbury, finding further resistance useless, at once surrendered himself and his army to our mercy. My brave whaleals, flushed with victory, saluted me with cries of Long live Lexington White, King of At Vatbar! But what was success now without the one priceless soul to share my triumph? Did ever glory so grand and defeat so terrible so mingle themselves in human experience? My Waleals, now for the first time hearing of the death of their queen, would have torn Coltonbury to pieces had I not protected him. I knew he was personally innocent, and my Waleals were already in pursuit of the king. We entered Kalnagur in triumph. I heard on all sides a wail of lamentation for Leone, mixed with applause for the conqueror. It was a scene in which conquest and misery rapture and failure, life and death were indubitably united. End of chapter 53